good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you're joining us. This is the Intermittent Podcast of Matt Rainier Christian Center. My name is Tyler. I am the online campus pastor here, and I have my... I was going to call you a faithful steed, but I don't I don't think that's the best thing to call you. I could be a faithful steed if you want me to. I mean, it would probably work just based off of our size differential, but I, I think maybe like faithful, trusty co-host. Nice. I like sidekick. How about that? Sidekick works. Okay, wait, wait, wait. No, we're partners in this, and it's not a sidekick. So You can uh, both be each other's sidekicks. We're both sidekicks. Did you ever see the movie Sky High? Yes. Being a sidekick is cool, so maybe maybe I want to be the sidekick. You can be the hero. Okay, I'll be the hero. Perfect. Um, today, we have Pastor Darius with us. Oh, they didn't. you didn't mention your name. Oh, yeah. My name is Brent. I am one of the pastors here at Mount Rainier Christian Center. Pastor of what? I am the pastor of our group ministries. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Uh, today, we have Pastor Darius with us. If you don't know Pastor Darius, uh, he's going to introduce himself. After I introduced him, yeah. and he's gonna tell us what he's doing. Nice. You don't have a moving buddy? Get one. Uh, Pastor Darius, I like Toy Story, and uh, I am the next gen pastor here at Mount Rainier Christian Center. What exactly does that mean? No one knows what it means. <laughs> it's just provocative. That's why I asked you that. Uh, no, I for now that I've been doing it for almost a year, closing in on a year, I would say it means the same thing. No one knows. No, I'm kidding. It means uh, the year went by fast. It was nuts. I, I, the my favorite part of my job is being able to do like leadership development stuff, which I get to do with some of our team, um, and just kind of be a support and a, a bracing back stand for some of the people who are on staff, and also like uh, leadership development with with volunteer leaders. So. That's fun. And then I also lead our young adults group, our young adults ministry that meets on Sunday nights. And being a product of Darius's leadership development, uh, you have definitely elevated me to a different level, which I appreciate. And I mean, I'm just going to speak Thanks, for the other man. one, the other guys, and, and you definitely have elevated all of us to a different level. Thanks, man. So <clears throat> that's what they always me. say we appreciate on that. when they take a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and they make it fancy. So Do they I'm, have fancy peanut butter and jelly on Chopped? What I have for you today, chef, is, an is a deconstructed uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> with a... It's on like a neon green plate, and it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich cut into slices for like a six-year-old. And then there's just a dollop of peanut butter and jelly on opposite ends of the plate <laughs> that you yep. dip in. And they've got the, the wide ring of spread jelly that looks artful. Chefs, I couldn't find the uncrustable tools, so I had to kind of get creative. Uh... Oh, man. So today we're going to talk about grace yeah. versus mercy, but it's not really versus. It's they're, yeah. they're one and the same. Yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it's I think it's cool because I actually do think the grace. It's, it's a funny title, right? The grace versus mercy is a cool, funny title. And obviously, grace and mercy are two outflows of the cross, two workings of the of the goodness of God. But they are still two, like, cool sides of the same coin. So I actually think it's a great topic and conversation because grace versus mercy as a catchy name for a conversation is a great intro into a reminder that God is not just grace or just mercy. 
it's a reminder that God is twice as good as you ever remember him to be at least, because if you're overwhelmed by the grace of God, then you can remember that he's not only just all that grace, but he's also mercy. And the same goes in reverse, but I think there's a lot to expand on. So we can, there'll be a lot for us to jump into. I'm excited. Yeah. One, a couple things that I, I wrote down and, um, just about grace and, and mercy. Mercy is the act of withdrawing deserved punishment, while grace is the act of unmerited favor. So in his mercy, God doesn't give us the punishment we deserve, yeah. namely hell, yeah. but while in his grace, at the same time, it's not it's not one and then the other. It's at the same time, uh, mm-hmm. God's grace gives us the gift that we don't deserve, mm-hmm. which is heaven, mm-hmm. which is in, insane. I mean, either of them is infinitely more than I deserve. 100%. Yeah. Hundred percent, and I get both. Yeah. Greg has told the story before, uh, Pastor Greg, and he tells the story of a uh, of a dad who was, you know, uh, disciplining his son, and his son had had done something, and he was in timeout in his room, and he couldn't go to their family movie night that they did, and so his punishment was to sit in his room while they watched their movie. And if you've heard this story before, you know how it goes. The the dad kind of felt this prodding from the the Holy Spirit to go in, and and he went into his son's room, and he said. Son, I'm going to stay in here in your room for you and do your time out. You go enjoy yeah. the movie. And now yeah. the the mercy would be for him just to go in and say, hey, you don't have to stay in the room, but yeah. you can't go to the movie night. I'll stay in the room for you, but you just, you know, yeah. that that's your reward. But then where the grace comes in is not only does he step in and say, I'm going to stay in this bad place for you and, and conquer this, yeah. but the grace comes in and says, and – you're going to get all of this on top of it. Well, yeah, and the potent thing about that story, too, is that actually in in our worldly thinking, I don't think it would be natural for us to assume that the dad had to live out the punishment for the son that they'd have to trade places. Without, without getting into the gospel, if we took that anecdote as a non-gospel anecdote, you could just say, well, the dad, the grace was that the dad, or the mercy was that the dad let the kid out of the room, and everybody was out of the room. And the uh, grace was that the dad also let the son not just come out of the room, but go all the way to the movie and watch the movie. But what God says is, no, I didn't just let you out and I didn't just give you the movie, but I personally traded spots with you. And that's the underpinning of the the reason that the gospel is different than any other thing. And And I don't mean to like, I'm not... I'm not always like on a tirade to compare Christianity to every other religion, but this is an instance where it has to be stated. Um, in Islam, there's no, there's no trading of God putting himself in the place of punishment in Buddhism. There's no trading in any other mythology. There's no trading. There's no moment in Judaism without Jesus. There's no, there's no moment in which God all, in which God all-knowing, almighty uh, Yahweh himself puts himself in the place of punishment. But that's the profound grace and mercy of God is, is that moment where God says, I'll be in the room so you don't have to be. In the, in the Bible, Jesus tells a parable about uh, the workers in the field. Yeah. Where at 6 a.m., uh, the farmer he hires a bunch of people to go work in his field. Yeah. And then at 9 a.m. he hires more people, 12 p.m. hires more and more, and then he pays them all the same. <laughs> and the people who worked from 6 a.m. were, like, super mad about it. And 
I totally agree with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My human nature agrees with that. Yeah, right. Totally. I would be. I would be pretty frustrated. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, you owe me more money. Yeah. And then fast forward to when Jesus dies. Yeah. Literally hanging on the cross. Yeah. And he looks over at the thief and says, "You'll be up there with me." Yeah. It's the same story. Yeah. It's the same grace. Yeah. And mercy shown exactly there. And yep. it's that's almost unfathom unfathomable to me. Yeah. Because we're so undeserving of that. And my anger isn't justified. My frustration isn't justified because I, I worked longer than anyone else. I should be celebrating mm-hmm. the fact that someone else gets the same thing as me, no matter when they found it or when yeah. they received it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the funny things about me and mercy is that I want to, I want to create a system where I get what I've earned because, because ultimately there's just a part of my heart that a human part of my heart that says, if I can get what I earn, then I'll get what I, what I want and what I need. And that's ultimately, that's the Sermon on the Mount is like, is the most cliche moment in the Bible. Um, But it's that for a reason, but the grace and the mercy of God is really the moment when we realize no matter how hard I would have worked, I couldn't have actually got what I needed. I think that I could earn what I needed and what I earn, I think is what I need. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like the things that I earn in life, the attention I earn from other people, the affection I earn from other people. Brent, we were talking about being people pleasers yesterday. I'm totally a people pleaser. I mean, I, I'm a self-defeating people pleaser because I also fight with everybody, but I'm by nature a people pleaser. And um, I think that that's what I need. And God and God comes in and says, no, all the things that you're earning, that's actually not what you need. You think that's what you want. You think that's what you, but what you need is my grace. And my you mercy. may think you know, but you have no idea. You have no idea. I think that, uh, yeah, that's definitely a place that I find myself far too often is, is, you know, thinking about if everything else, if all of my own power to accomplish things mm-hmm. were taken away, would I still be as um, secure in, in right. who I am in Jesus? Yeah. And the answer to that question has to be yes. We have yeah. to get to a place where yeah. the, the answer to that question is yes, but that's tough because we want yeah. to we want to accomplish things because at the end of the day, you know, God created and built us with a drive oh, to, yeah. to do things oh, and yeah. to, to work it as good, but at the end of the day, we have to get our our grace and our mercy and our and what we need. We have to get fed through Jesus alone. Yeah. And all the other stuff has to be totally on yeah you know, the, different levels. Yeah. The earning system just can't define us. Yeah. I want to break down. Just assume that someone listening doesn't know how to receive God's grace and mercy. And that's, the, that's something mm. that I wrote down. Yeah. Um, but I, just, I, I want to break that down, not necessarily step by step, but like break it down and we can kind of go through it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Is, is that okay? Yeah. Let's um, do our best shot at explaining a 2,000-year-old, well, a, a, an eternal truth yeah. that Jesus made clear to us, Ephesians says, made known the mystery of God 2,000 years ago that people are still trying to 
still trying to have been trying for 2,000 years to articulate, let's do that in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> and, and, and suck at it. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Be, it's, that's great, though. Really, I'm, I'm being facetious, but that's great. I'm excited. Um, I would say number one is, is acknowledge our needs yeah. for grace yeah. and mercy and acknowledge that we're sinners. Yeah. Uh, I have a bunch of Bible verses, too, so great. bear with me. Know, James 4, 6, it says, but he gives us more grace. That's what scripture says. God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. Yeah. And then in Micah 6, 8, Ooh. hold on, I'm going to get there. I have like 700 sticky notes in my Bible. That's a good sign. Micah 6, 8 says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? That, that, ready? Ready? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. Yeah. That's acknowledging the grace and mercy. Like, step one, done. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm being facetious as well. No, but, you're right, But though. still, like, it's that simple, you yeah. know? a heck of a lot shorter than my to-do list every day um and maybe i should start putting those at the top of my to-do list just as a reminder that if those don't get done on a regular basis yeah. then i'm probably missing I, it's funny that you say that so i read this book um i've read it twice in the last two months uh it's called unoffendable i've talked about it before and at the end of the book uh, the author says, you can wake up before you do anything. Uh, he goes, regardless if you go into a meeting, any form of confrontation, like getting in your car to drive to work, anything like that, you can choose to be unoffendable. You can choose to not be offended and get angry about things. Mm -hmm. And that's at the top of my to-do list. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I just I pray every morning, and whatnot, but like, that's at the top of my to-do list. I'm gonna choose to not give in to that yeah. because it's it's so much easier. And uh, when I do give in to that, I I don't extend grace yeah. like I should because yeah. people have extended so much grace to me, yeah. and I I. The Bible says, you know, turn around and, and give it tenfold, you know? Yeah. So, anyway. No, I think that's great. I think the, the unoffendable thing is cool, and Brent's to-do thing is really cool. The I 100% amen to both of those um, over here, because when we realize that Jesus has taken all offense, then there's no more offense to be had, right? That's the point, is... Jesus was already punished for every offense. So me taking offense to things is me. And, and I don't think any of us mean, like, I don't think any of us think this cognitively. I don't think any of us walk through the day thinking like, I'm going to re-crucify Jesus or I'm going to nullify the crucifixion of Jesus. I don't think most of us, I, I at least don't walk around thinking in deep theological terms like that. But functionally, when I take offense to something and I choose to allow my heart to cling on to and sink teeth into an offense, what I'm saying effectively is Jesus's work on the cross isn't complete. Jesus didn't cover this offense when he died. And that's a really silly thing to think. So yeah, I'm, I'm there. Psalm 
34, 18 says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And uh, I think it's Psalm 61, 2, David says, uh, from the ends of the earth, O Lord, my heart cries to you when I am uh, weak and faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. David is the biblical pre-Jesus, the biblical example of what it means to receive grace and mercy for a lot of reasons, if you get into the story. But one of the reasons he's such a primary central figure theologically is he displays the, the heart that wants to change. Now, now without the grace of Jesus, about the, without the finished work of Jesus, David's heart actually cannot change on earth the way that our hearts can change, praise God, because of the way the Holy Spirit has been, the veil's been torn, the Spirit's been given to us, Jesus' work is fullness in time finished. Um, but even without that, David is writing all these Psalms, and he's, he's showing us step one, right? Step one is just acknowledge that you have need. And if you're listening to this and you don't feel like you need Jesus, I don't know if there's anything that I can do to help with that. Um, other than to tell you that when you come to the end of your ability and on the day and in the moment that you, that you sense your own failure or your own inability, whether it's in your marriage or your personal life or an addiction that you've got or a, a habit that you've got or, or something in your past that you haven't faced and dealt with, when you come to the moment where you finally say, okay, my career my attitude, young people all the time are telling me, oh, it's about having a positive attitude. And I'm like, that, that's a great sentiment. It's not going to I tried that work. for a long time and it didn't work for me. It doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't. No, it doesn't work. Maybe, yeah, maybe there's some freaks of nature out there. Who, I think yeah. it didn't work for me because it was, it wasn't real. Yeah. Like I can fake, fake having a positive it. attitude, but it wasn't real. It wasn't a genuine change of the heart. Yeah. Which is what that's why i think that it doesn't work that's just me personally no that's super good so yeah i'm i'm digressing but yeah aim, yes to that yeah. to we to say like and if you're in a place right now where you're feeling like you recognize that you're a failure that's so hard and my heart's with you but you are in the best place yeah because mercy and grace they're only frees available. us from perfectionism yeah well they're only available jesus when jesus says sermon on the mount he says blessed are those who mourn? Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Poor in spirit literally means like to have a bad attitude. <laughs> Being poor in spirit means to be like suffering in your heart. The Sermon on the Mount, when they say, hey, Jesus, who is it that's most blessed? Jesus says everybody who's messed up and hurting and recognizes and realizes that they need a savior. That's how you receive blessing. So if you're in that place, you are God is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. You're right there. You're you're right there, close as you can get to grace. I that moves us right into the next point. Slow clap. <laughs> <laughs> Accepting God's grace and mercy in Romans. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip that verse. Ephesians one seven says. Sorry, I had to turn the computer back on. Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the richness of God's grace that he lavished for us. 
I think lavished. Sorry, I'm going off really quick. I love it. No. Lavished is just, it's a word that is not used, but like lavish is. Yeah. Is is rich. It's it's different than um, soaking. It's different than it's it's soft and and smooth in it. Yeah. In it, it's 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 different than our worldly view of receiving something. You know what I mean? Like I, this word picture just popped into my head and it's going to be really dumb, but when you make a steak, yeah, you don't just pour or here, how about this? When you make ribs and you got to smoke ribs, you don't just pour the barbecue sauce on them. You lavish that on there because you're like, yo, I want it to be coated. I want it. I want it to be sorry. I every love nook and cranny. I, yeah, I mean Arkansas is that is Dude, that good barbecue? Just, bro, we made the best ribs you would ever have in your entire life last Saturday. That I'm kind of jealous. Yeah, yeah. Papa, Papa makes the best ribs, and That's we did, awesome. man. You lavish that scene. You get those ribs but out. You lavish it yeah. on there. Yeah. You know what's funny about that is this is a re- it is a weird analogy, but in the same way, like there was a moment where. <laughs> One of my one of my crazy aunts was <laughs> standing by us while we were uh, while we were getting the pork ribs ready, and I to get the pork ribs ready, you gotta get you just gotta go a hundred percent in, and I've got just like the grossest pork blood all over my hands, and no one wants like swine's just it's not clean, it's not good, it's different than having like steak juice on your hands, and I go to like high five my aunt. And she like immediately goes for it. And I was like, whoa, I'm kidding. I'm, my hands are covered in like pork blood. I don't, you shouldn't have me right now. But it was one of those moments where I was like, man, in order to, to lavish this, I had to get my hands dirty. And I know this is like a little dramatic, but that's the way Jesus is. That in order to lavish love on us, he had to get his hands dirty. We just, I would borderline say successfully... <laughs> related barbecue to the gospel yes, that's our new podcast the barbecue gospel we can preach pop te- all price we could preach in texas right now <laughs> this this will preach in texas Amen. we make better ribs in arkansas than do in texas well oh oh yeah those are fighting words. i'm throwing the gauntlet that's good i yeah the word lavish when when you said that uh when you were reading that verse i'm like ooh, i'm gonna say something about lavish and then that ended up being the whole like tangent of the verse i'm like for good reason because it's just so you know we're not used to receiving anything in excess really in in a worldly sense we're used to receiving just enough usually yeah. uh we're used to receiving what we just, deserve just what we deserve yeah. or what we need or what we've earned and so lavishing is a foreign concept a lot of the times especially in the sense of getting something so important that we don't deserve to get and it just goes to show that it's not something that's just given out of a duty it's something that's given out of love you don't you know you don't put barbecue sauce on ribs because uh, i guess it belongs there so we have to (laughs) you put it on there because you're like i'm gonna eat these ribs and they're gonna be so good and i'm gonna put this barbecue sauce on there because i love these ribs amen amen these ribs are my children (laughs) and i will lavish these ribs is my babies (laughs) the hickory gospel come y'all Feast, feast on my child. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. Do you guys know the story of the prodigal son, right? Yeah. Okay, so the story of the prodigal son, if you're listening and you've never heard it for some reason, it's cool. Um, there's a there's a wealthy father. He's got two sons. 
his younger son uh, says, Dad, I wish it were better. I, I, I wish it were as if you were dead and I could receive my inheritance now. So his father says, okay, you can have your inheritance. And the son leaves and the other son stays home and kind of con continues to bitterly kind of serve in his father's house and work with his dad. The younger son or the, or the son that leaves with his inheritance, uh, he spends all of his money on partying, essentially. And then he wakes up one day in a pig pen, sleeping with, sleeping with pigs, and says, man, it would be better for me to be a servant in my father's house. So he says, you know, my dad has people that work for him that, that aren't even his children, but they do, they're better off than I am. So he decides he's going to go back to his dad's house and ask if he can just like be an employee in his dad's house, his dad's business. And as his dad sees him coming, his dad throws, you know, throws down his robe and runs out to his son and grabs his son and holds him and brings him close. And his son is prepared to offer himself to be uh, essentially a, a low entry level employee with no relation to his father, just an employee. And his dad says, um, we're going to, we're going to break out everything and make a feast because today my son has returned to me. And then the other son has a hard time with this. And so there's two, there's two sons that have, that struggle with receiving their father's, their father's love and his grace. And the story is called the prodigal son. And so most of us, like me for most of my life, assume that the word prodigal means lost or confused. Prodigal literally means Spending money or resources freely and recklessly, wastefully extravagant. And so the story that we're talking about of unmerited grace and mercy is that same gospel picture that's one of the most, one of the most proliferant, if that's a word, proliferated um, gospel pictures from, from the Bible is the prodigal father. And that's who God is. He's the lavishing, wastefully extravagant father that I've heard many people say he would bankrupt heaven in order to buy the trash of earth. Would you say that his love is reckless? Oh, y'all know this morning, I, I know y'all love that new song, Reckless Love, but God has never done anything reckless, so don't get it twisted. <laughs> I mean, I've heard so many pastors that were so upset about that. So have I. I would say God's reckless. Yeah. Uh, in, a, in a very sovereign sense. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Moving kind of on after accepting God's grace and, move, and mercy, we're, we're called to know our identity in Christ and share his love. Yeah. In uh, John one twelve and John one fourteen. Oh, excuse me. John 1 12 says yet to all who did receive him to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God mm. and then in in 14 verse 14 it says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son Ooh. who came from the father full of grace and truth I love that. and we grow in our relationship and love him more and yeah. then we're called to give mercy on others in yeah. Uh, Hosea, Ooh. Hosea 6, 6, it says, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice and acknowledgement yeah. of God rather than burnt offerings. And in Matthew nine thirteen. Oh, I covered it up. Oops. Dude, you are way more prepared than me. <laughs> uh, nine thirteen. 
It's uh, I'm going to go 12 and 13. And 12, it says, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Yeah. In verse 13, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, mm-hmm. but sinners. Uh, I'm a sinner. Yeah, me too. So, first and foremost, my first and foremost sin, but not my only sin, is thinking that I do not need Jesus or that God owes me something. Yeah, both of those are very dangerous traps to fall into. And it, the realization that God is willing to bankrupt heaven like you said that god is willing to go all out on someone who spends most of his life me not being all in being all about me being all about me gosh that is a humbling humbling realization and uh, it never it never ceases to help me reorient my 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 view and my attitude and my spirit yeah just to to think that that I'm most often I'm both of those sons in that oh, story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm the yeah. son that goes off and irresponsibly does all this yeah. stuff that is wasteful. And I'm the son that bitterly looks at the other son and says, why is he getting this uh, when he wasn't doing the, the tasks that I was doing? I was faithful. Yeah. I'm more I often than I care to admit both of those sons uh, in the story. And yet both of those sons were loved and lavished on by their father. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. One thing that I I read in, in one of the books that I was reading is the author says that uh, by all definitions, he's a Pharisee. And that struck me. Be- he goes, because I'm a rules guy, I want to follow the rules. I don't want to break any rules. I want to do this, 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 and this. And I was like, shoot, I'm a Pharisee too. And I've facetiously kind of uh, accepted the, the title of, <laughs> self-proclaimed Pharisee re- in recovery because Ooh. I am. Yeah. And it's just something that's, that stuck with me after I, I read that. And I was like, yeah, the rules don't matter. Like, right. There's one, there's one rule. Love God and love others. Well, you have one rule. <laughs> You're going to have to break it. <laughs> break your love God and love others rule. Don't break it, please. No, but that is, it's funny. What Jesus says is, all of the law and the prophets can be summed up in this. And the rules that Jesus is particularly frustrated about are the additive man-made rules, the pharisaical high fructose corn syrup and table sugar that's added to the rules that, that that like table sugar, they make what is healthy unhealthy. And Jesus is very fresh about that. But he does say all the law and the prophets, they they boil down to, to this love God, love people. Yeah. The freshly squeezed yes, juice Lord. of Jesus <laughs> is being corrupted by the high fructose yes. corn syrup of the Pharisees. <laughs> I love that. Get out of here, high C. That was good. Final Dang. thoughts. Do you have any, any final thoughts? Oh, my gosh. Do you have any final thoughts, Darius? Oh, I don't know. I just I'm overwhelmed by this conversation. Um it's a good conversation. I the the thing that it strikes me on a I'll just share on a personal level because I always want to it's really easy to talk about theology and even if you if you become theologically inclined enough, it's even I think easy to 
be moved by theology. Sometimes in the same way that like I watch uh, people who appreciate art look at a piece of art that doesn't make any sense and doesn't mean anything, but they're emotionally moved by it. They're emotionally moved by something that they understand that I don't. A Jackson Pollock doesn't mean anything to me right? as the same it does to an art collector. Yeah, and that art collector might see that Jackson Pollock painting and they might they might be moved to tears by some of the elements of it in the same way we can be about theology. And we're pastors, it's, it's part of our job too. So I always want to remember that although I am moved by theology, theology is personal. And so in a personal way, I'll share... Um, that I never felt like somebody who was worth lavish love. And I never felt like somebody who was a first choice person or who was, who was worth a prodigal kind of love. And God bankrupt heaven for me. He got all of his resources and all of his riches and sent the best sent his son jesus sent the best for me specifically chose me and loves me and for me that's personal that's powerful because i never should have been picked to be a christian i never should have been picked to be loved by god i never should have been picked i wasn't special or important i was just the new kid that was me all the time and and Jesus saw something more. He saw someone that he wanted to be his son, not just a product of a worldly definition. So that's good. Brent, what do you think? Any anything final to to add? Um, yeah, I, I just echo the sentiment from, from Darius that it's um you know, it's easy for me to to fall into that way of thinking as well. But you know, uh we used to play Monopoly as a family. Um, which I loved. It was my favorite game. Um, my parents, a word picture. My parents and my sister did not like playing Monopoly as much as I did. But the four of us would play <laughs> Monopoly, and I'll never forget. There were times when uh, my sister would get so excited about a like a, a spot or something, or, or my mom would just really want this one spot, and they would literally just go all out. They would bankrupt their entire like they get rid of all their money which never made sense to me my dad would always start you know why are you doing this is a bad move you gotta save some money and they would just go all in on this one spot because they just wanted it so badly and for the whole rest of the game they would be content no matter what happened they could go negative in their account they could go they could make money off of it, it as long as they had that they were like happy with the game and that always would baffle me and that's like the god just wants our hearts and as long as he gets that in that relationship that satisfies us. Mm, yeah. It satisfies him. He wants to be in a relationship with us, and he'll he's willing to do whatever it takes. He says, I will sacrifice my son. He literally looks at everything else and says, it's just Monopoly money. That's kind of a powerful sentiment. That was a really good word picture. I I, I do appreciate that one. That one that one was really good. <laughs> what? No, it's just funny. For anybody, I don't know how... I haven't listened to all the podcasts. I haven't listened to any of the podcasts. Well, I'm thanks. fully honest. I appreciate that person. support. I'm a bad person. It's okay. I forget. Um, I'll listen to this one because I, I like to criticize my own voice. Perfect. But 
I don't know if you guys hear this on the podcast a lot, but Brent is the word picture guy. Yeah, so he is. for those of you who don't know, behind the scenes, we're always making fun of Brent because he's always got nine word pictures for everything. He does. So when Tyler says, I like that one, it means he's heard nine word pictures this morning and he's like, okay, I'm, oh, that's a good one. Okay. I might, I might steal that one because you can definitely um, just say the game Monopoly and not have to uh, say that Brent's family did this. Oh, it's very translatable. You could even probably do it with the McDonald's Monopoly somehow. I don't know. <laughs> yes. All right, everyone. Thank you all for listening. Um, I forgot what I was about to say. I legit, like, legit thought I was going to close it a certain way, but I totally spaced on how I was going to close it. So, everyone, thanks for listening, and uh, we will see you in the next podcast. Brent, what do you want to say? I, I love you all, and thank you for tuning in. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say you like leaned forward to say something all right everyone thank you